Hello, hello, and happy full moon in Aries. I am super glad that you're here right now and super happy that you exist. <sighs> I hope you're enjoying this rejuvenation of energy as much as I am, and please make sure you don't overdo it and burn yourself out because I definitely want to with all of the things I want to work on. So yeah, there's a chaotic start to today's episode. I hope you guys are doing super well. I learned today by looking at my Anchor website that I have had listeners in over 20 countries, which just fucking floors me. So truly, thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who has been listening, is listening, who exists. Oh, beautiful souls. I appreciate you so fucking much. So glad you're here. Fuck yeah. All right. It is a full blood moon slash harvest moon in Aries. Um, and I am feeling very ready to shake off any like stagnancy energy, um, especially when it comes to colonization. Um, but with this energy, it's going to bring about the interest in starting new projects, in jumping into a bunch of things or finishing ongoing projects. So that's why I talked about burnout really quickly because I was like, I'm gonna run myself into a fucking wall, guaranteed, knowing myself. <laughs> And yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about creativity today, given this new energy that I'm thinking a lot of people are going to be inspired to pick up their paintbrush or whatever their wand of choice is when it comes to what they create. So we're going to talk about that in the second half. And in the first half, we're going to talk about um, tale as old as time, narcissistic cycles. However, this time I'm going to draw some conclusions and relate it to the Indigenous experience. Um, in terms of how they have been scapegoated as an entire population since white people. So we're going to talk about that in the first half. However, there is a trigger warning for that half because I'm going to be mentioning, of course, the Indigenous experience and colonization, which will mean I'm mentioning genocide and the mechanisms for genocide, including residential schools. Um, I will not be going into like details about experiences or talking about like massive trauma. Um, in detail, it will be more in terms of explaining how that relates to narcissistic behavior on a global level. Um, and it'll make sense when we get there, but I just want to give you the heads up, especially if I have any Indigenous listeners, so that if they are not in the headspace or don't want to hear a white person talk about that, feel free to skip ahead. And we're going to talk about tips for creativity with self-compassion in the second half. So do whatever works best for you. Take care of yourself first. That is what's most important. I'm just here. <laughs> Okay, I also want to remind us to please fund and support and amplify our water protectors, our earth protectors, um, indigenous leaders everywhere. If you are able to alternatively, please amplify them on social media, copy link, share, download their videos, and yeah, boost them as much as you can. Um, also speak out on the collective colonization that's going on. I know we've talked about, and I've beat the drum several times, no pun intended, um, about all of the shit that's going on right now. So we're going to have a little bit of a shifting gear there. This is the moment that we've been waiting for with humanity. I think it was even prophesized by Indigenous prophecies that there would come a time when humanity has to decide between... Um, indigenous leadership and honoring the indigenous experience um, and nature and corporations and capitalism and all of that. So we're at this pivotal point when our behavior and our energy and how we spend our time is really impactful on what 
what's going to happen next for us. And I have 100% faith this is going to be from a position of radical positivity as well. I have 100% faith that we're going to be okay and that there will be land back, that there will be Indigenous sovereignty and stewardship. That's the world I see. And I know that so many of us out there see that same world. So we're going to bring it into fruition. <sighs> yeah. Holy smokes. <laughs> I also, in my show notes, just want to make sure I let you know that I have some folks linked. Hopefully the links work okay, so you could just go in and click in the show notes below. Um, a bunch of Indigenous folks that you can go and follow and fund and support, including Women with Bows, which is T. Blue Bear, um, Kiori Runa, if I'm saying that right, I'm so sorry if I butchered it, um, Alex Goldenwolf, and Giwaden Indigenicas. I hope I'm saying those right. Holy shit, I'm white as hell. I apologize and will do my best to improve that. I've got them linked below if you'd like to go support them. Um, and I want to list a uh, thank you to Kendra Jesse on TikTok for originally posting this video. I want to share it here. Uh, she listed five excellent Indigenous podcasts that people should check out. So I want to share those here before we officially get into the episode's content today. So the they are linked as well in the show notes. They should be clickable right from there, hopefully. So the All My Relations podcast well for culture call her auntie the matriarch movement and the urban native era podcast so those are five excellent indigenous run owned operated podcasts that you should definitely go and check out they are available on most streaming platforms as mine is so wherever you found mine go search some of theirs and give them a listen check them out i think they are well worth a listen i haven't gotten to all of them yet but i'm definitely going to be getting in there and binging those so please do check those out and support any other indigenous businesses voices that you can as you see them if you are listening and have either a small business or you're indigenous and would like me to uh, share or link any of your content or whatever you're doing reach out to me via email and i would be happy to do that for you not a problem so please let me know i'm not sure how much reach this gets of course but that's something that I'm more than willing to do every single time, amplifying Indigenous voices. So, let's go. <sighs> this is the trigger warning part, because I'm going to start talking about shit. So just in case you need to skip ahead, I'm going to give you one second here. Okay. So this is going to be in the context of describing the systematic steps that colonizers have taken to disempower Indigenous communities in order to get capitalism and exploitation to where it is now. So it's going to be in that kind of context. I'm not going to go into the experiences that Indigenous folks have experienced or gone through because it's not my own experience. And it's not mine to speak on. I'm going to be speaking more from a systemic point of view, if that helps. And I want to make sure that you guys know I fully believe in humanity. And I believe that we are in this process of liberating ourselves, and I am trusting that we are going through this to get through it. We're not going to go backwards. This is the age of fucking Aquarius. We're not going backwards. We are so supported astrologically right now, and we're being hurtled through so many different cycles individually and internally because it's reflecting what's happening collectively for us. And I really think we're almost there. I think we're in this, like, tunnel and I see the light at the end of it. We're almost fucking there. <laughs> I know in the summer, I started bringing up more current issues that were happening, especially in terms of like the aggressive colonization and genocide attempts that are ongoing. Um, 
And I want to make sure that this doesn't contribute to anybody's like doomerism, as I'm not aiming to spread like fear and disdain and like doomerism. Like I'm not aiming to spread that this isn't going to be okay, but I am absolutely aiming to ruffle feathers and get people angry or passionate and inspired to do something and to take action with this energy, right? So I'm also trying to spread as much awareness as I can and mobilize amid a time of indigenous voice suppression on most platforms and racist algorithms and all of that crap. It's very tough to find the balance, at least for me, between sharing and trying to mobilize and inform folks and like losing my mind about it. So thank you for being here while I do my best. And I appreciate every one of you who's been hanging out with me while I figure out my footing. Okay. So one of the most effective things we can do as individuals is work to decolonize ourselves and take that responsibility on ourselves. If you are white, we all have it, but if you are white, you absolutely have that responsibility to actively do the labor yourself, not to ask an indigenous or person of color um, or majority to do that labor for you or give you those answers. It's your job to get read up on it and do the work internally so that you're not either benefiting or perpetuating systems that others benefit from as much as you can while still surviving. We've all been colonized for like 2000 years. <laughs> we are still under the Roman Empire because that's linked to the monarchy, Catholic Church. Considering that everything is still connected to the monarchy, and that we are in the age of Aquarius, which is here to assist us with shifting to a new way of being, a humanitarian way of being. I'm a million percent confident that it will be an indigenous-led matriarchy and land back that stops this climate crisis and that helps us restore balance in this world. There's no space for there not to be land back. There's no reason that there's not ind indigenous sovereignty. This is all, and this is where we'll get into the system really quick here, but um, there's no reason we shouldn't be. It's literally just corporate greed and capitalist fucking billionaire bullshit <laughs> that is the source of all of this. It's a very small group of people. If you've checked out the Pandora Papers, I'm not gonna say much on them except for naming them, but you should go check it out if you haven't heard of them yet. Um, they're not a group or anything, it's just a bunch of papers that listed our Eat the Rich menu. Um, there is no space for capitalism to continue, for the exploitation of people and nature alike to continue. It is the reason that this climate crisis exists and is persisting. It's on fire right now and they're still chopping trees and they're still putting oil in fucking pipelines. Like it's just ridiculous, right? And Banks, corporations, billionaires have been teaming up and publicly teaming up to continue desecrating the earth while it's on fire. So don't get me wrong, they're not going to win. It's not going to happen. I know it's scary right now. But it's going to take all of us to step up and speak out and shift the way that we operate internally and externally in the world in order to facilitate change in a really meaningful way and in a radical way. And I know we can do this because it's already happening. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. And that's why like I have radical positivity about all of this. And it's not because I'm naive and not paying attention. It's because I have faith in people and I have the utmost faith in indigenous people. 
the most effective way to stop climate change is by returning the indigenous land back along with their sovereignty as indigenous communities have always been natural and excellent stewards of the earth they are the reason for its abundance and that is the direct reason that they have been targeted for centuries because of the magic that they hold the knowledge that they hold the way of being that they know right they taught so many things to the fucking colonizers like cleanliness and hygiene like they they were doing it right there's a reason for the erasure and that's why we're going to talk about this in terms of like a narcissistic system because I just saw it that way today and had to speak out about it in some way or put it out there. Um, this is also a gentle checkpoint reminder to put down any misconceptions, racist, colonizer, or whatever beliefs when it comes to Indigenous folks. This is not a space for that hatred or for a lack of acceptance. Many of the stereotypes that are perpetuated by the beings that orchestrated the ongoing genocides while also poisoning their natural resources, giving them all sorts of European diseases and substances. Um, it's the same group over and over and they, they built institutions meant to reinforce those ways of thinking and being to future generations so that hopefully they would have an automated colonizer system with white people who would perpetuate a shit ton of racism without them having to lift a finger based on the school systems based on the the who wrote the history books right so it is nobody's fucking place to judge someone for how they cope with injured generational trauma and please leave any stereotypes relating to alcohol substances mental health and relying on the government at the door <laughs> The stereotypes that have been perpetuated about Indigenous folks have been specifically specifically manufactured by the government slash colonizers in order to disenfranchise an entire population of people and publicly discredit them in case they were ever to speak out about the experiences that they've had. I don't know if you can hear Coconut having a fit upstairs, but he's doing it. Think of how the government treats the Indigenous populations as one, it's fucking deplorable, and two, it's very symptomatic of extreme narcissistic abuse, uh, which I'm going to break down. That's what I'm getting at here. But here's the formula that's been used to disempower indigenous communities since white people. And it might sound familiar if you are somebody who's experienced narcissistic cycles, which is why I'm talking about it here. So step one is assuming with the ego that they are entitled to what they see. So either the resources, the land, the people, the, the entitlement to destroy, the entitlement to show up and just be like, no, we live here now, <laughs> we're not leaving. All of that is an overactive ego, but, and, oh my god, I'm gonna pause this because Coconut's just gonna get going. Okay, I think I have him wrangled, but he might start squeaking something again. He's in a mood, so that's what we're working with. <laughs> All right, so we left that ego. Um, abuse of power, abuse of leadership, um, a system of government that sprawls across most of the world with a route to the same monarchy, for example. It's like a fucking weed. Um, let's call that like the big boss narcissist because we've all experienced um, different versions of that fucking coconut. Don't do it. Watered down versions of this abuse and it doesn't make it any less potent um, because of the route that this type of abuse came from. So using that entitlement to drive their actions, the narcissist then recognized Coconut, Marshall, get over here, sir. 
You're embarrassing me in front of all my friends. What are you going to do? Put the snake down. <laughs> Guilty boy. Holy smokes. Right. So, with the entitlement driving their actions, the narcissists recognized that the indigenous communities were living in abundance, that the earth was abundant around them, that there was beautiful tall trees and so many, like, so much diversity, right? So much diversity. And they were living in peace with positive leadership and beautiful culture. My guess is that this was a mirror that showed the colonizers who showed up exactly what they weren't, exactly what they were missing. And instead of appreciating it, they appropriated it and destroyed it. Capitalism. <laughs> Capitalism. Like a toddler in a sandbox, they wanted to take and destroy instead of learning from these communities. And while they were there, they also got them sick and shared diseases and did all of these horrible things naturally. So the next step is that they kind of love bombed these communities because they ingratiated themselves or tried to at least with trades or just were unable to get rid of them, essentially, because they weren't leaving anytime soon. They were there to conquer. They were there to colonize. And so when they showed up, they were like, yeah, we're going to trade. We're going to do all these things to ingratiate with the indigenous communities that they found. They were all over the place. So there was like um, the colonizers as well as indigenous communities all over Turtle Island. So there was plenty of different types of interactions that I'm not going to speak for any of them specifically because I was not there and I don't know the history that well. But in terms of the ingratiating, that was a way to build a false sense of rapport, a false sense of relationship so that they could bring about the treaties a little bit more smoothly and have somebody sign them. It was all planned. It was all systematically fucking planned. So then that next step is they brought the faulty treaties with only the colonizer language on them. So English or French typically or Spanish, depending on where. And they lied to the indigenous leaders about what the texts actually said. Coconut, if you start squeaking that snake, Oh my goodness. We said it'd be easy. <laughs> so the treaties were meant to literally legislate and sanction the theft of the land from a legal standpoint, right? From a, a paper standpoint, from a colonizer standpoint, which also is made up. <laughs> this was used as a mechanism to entrap and begin the genocide process. Um, the next step was isolation. So now that they've given them these treaties that they've signed, they forcibly relocated several indigenous communities to well without well outside of their resource areas or like for the northern communities they pushed them even further north which has led to an epidemic in mental health um, but they just said okay here's your land and we're going to push you out of it or we're going to pollute the fuck out of it or we're going to dig for oil in it or whatever so it was never really their fucking land from the moment those treaties were signed that's when the land was stolen yeah the next step, if that wasn't enough, is they then committed systemic genocide against many of the animals and resources and communities that resided where they were. And that they destroyed the resources that they learned from Indigenous people that the Indigenous communities they were there for relied on, such as the buffalo or such as, um, fuck, I can't think of something else, but like plant medicine, dandelions, for example, are really medicinal. And so they created fucking Roundup, right? Like they just found ways to destroy all of these different things so that they could force dependence, right? That's why it's not new. That's why like all of this is a, a pattern that we can recognize together. So 
they destroy their resources, cause extinction of animals, of resources, um, before they've even set up the schools, right? They've introduced these shitty substances, they've brought in um, their disease, all their crap, and introducing the addictive substances that they did was also intentional. And it was a part of the system of genocide that they built. And then with the residential schools, we're not gonna get into what those are, it created a system of cyclical trauma with the assimilation, with the all of the atrocities and trauma that these folks have endured, that these babies have endured. These experiences coupled with a deplorable lack of resources and intentional lack of resources, support and change would set up anyone for possible substance use as there needs to be some way of coping with this trauma and even now, even with the way that like residential schools have been shifted into the foster and group care systems, into the child welfare systems, um, there are still an astounding lack of resources for folks, especially Indigenous folks. The next step, once you traumatize somebody and either introduce negative coping patterns or um, put them in a position where they're vulnerable from that trauma is to gaslight them or set up mobbing, which is kind of getting like group colonization or group bullying, um, publicly demonizing indigenous folks for using, for drinking, demonizing them for living on the shit parcels of land that were given to them under the treaties that were turned into shit parcels of land by the people who created the treaties. The way that they're portrayed in the media, the way that they've been portrayed in movies, like if you remember like 90s movies, fucking Peter Pan, like shit like that, the portrayal of indigenous folks has always been very intentional in order to support the narrative of colonization. Yeah. The land was never respected. It was never actually by white people, by colonizers. It always was by indigenous folks. Um, it was never respected. It was rezoned. It was capitalized on. It was destroyed for resources or extorted or exploited for resources. Um, and it was a mechanism to isolate these communities. We're not even going to get into fucking blood quantum because I'll have a, I'll lose my mind. But all of the methods were used to gaslight and isolate. So the public stereotypes essentially are acts, acts as a tool to automate colonizer bullshit because under-informed white people are great at being outspoken on the experiences and merits of indigenous folks. Even if we look at like make America great again and like Republicans and conservative people and folks who are just like not as educated, those are the people who are targeted by the folks who've created the stereotypes in order to uphold them. This perpetuates isolation in the greater collective. However, as the people who benefit most from colonization and its systems as white people that we are, that I am, um, it's important that we deconstruct those from the inside out. Final step is the ongoing abuse because it's been normalized, because it's been perpetuated by the systems that have been put in place um, almost seamlessly, is to continue to destroy the land and its resources while publicly disrespecting and disregarding Indigenous voices, government, and corporations alike, so that hopefully, in their words, enough people will buy into that propaganda and allow or support this shit to continue, which is what's been happening for so long. But also by creating such a dependence on capitalism and the system for 
hundreds of years, a couple thousand years, everybody has been colonized. Everybody is disenfranchised. So by pitting people against each other in the competition that is capitalism, it makes it a lot harder where it prevents a lot more people from speaking out or from even thinking critically about what they're seeing um, in order to keep themselves safe and to keep their families safe and fed and clothed and all of that good stuff. So now that we're clear on the insidious behaviors of the current ruling class and effectively have been shown that the global indigenous community has been the family scapegoat, the black sheep of the world, um, they've done nothing wrong. They've been truth speakers and they've been punished for that. They, like even just the way that <laughs> politicians speak on indigenous issues, it's borderline slander. <laughs> And it's time to remind you that this means that there's nothing wrong with actively and loudly supporting Indigenous leaders and communities, land back, and sovereignty movements. I have endless and supreme faith in Indigenous folks, and I 100% side with them every single time. It's long past time for them to return to their land to be, <laughs> shouldn't even have to be given back to them. We should just be ceding it, but um, in all capacities, land back and matriarch systems should be reinstated. I believe that indigenous folks know how to care for this land well and how to lead communities and lead the global population as well. They have the answers. They have always had the answers. The purpose of the gaslighting was to discredit their voices so that no one would ever ask. And if they were drunk, if they were traumatized, if they were too bogged down by the trauma that they've experienced, then they would be less likely to rise up. And that's exactly what the colonizers have wanted. And they're not gonna win. I think white people have had a long enough fucking turn and I am more than ready to see what this world can be under indigenous leadership again. Yeah, fucking yeah. I know there were some goose chewing sounds in the background, so I apologize there. She's still got a lot of pain going on and she's, giant so she makes a lot of noise but i do have a gofundme if you want to support her knee surgery fund so that we can get her that super needed surgery uh it is in my link tree which is linked in the show notes all right now that she's making her way downtown we can skip over to the second half so welcome to the creativity half welcome to the happier half i know i just talked about some doom and gloom shit we're not gonna go there anymore everything is gonna be okay Creativity and divinity and self-compassion go hand in hand. And we're going to share some tips about self-compassion along the creative process. And I'm going to share them from a place of how I've developed my style, at least what it is right now in the last year. Uh, no matter what your medium or passion is, this does not have to apply to like physical visual arts or, oh my gosh, you loud ass dog, or anything else um creative like it can be writing it can be singing it can be poetry it can be dancing painting whatever whatever you feel is creative and sets your soul on fire is what this is about a lot of my experience is with uh tangible art like physical paint or markers and shit like that so that's going to be what my experience learns from but apply it however it best suits you Okay, so while I was in a little art session last week, I realized that a lot of what I create is similar in terms of process down to how I draw my lines, how I render shapes and depth. 
Um, even how I use different mediums together now, like how I've been combining them has become really intuitive, but similar in terms of the patterns. I found that creation is repeating a pattern outward, like expansion. Even if you think of like how sacred geometry is always like flowing and it's the same thing flowing, hi sweetie, flowing in and out. I see that as creativity and I see that as how like every independent person has their own geometry that they need to get out there, that they need to express. And however they want to be creative is how that's going to happen. And I think eventually it'll become patterns that we repeat, even if what we create is never the same. I think the pattern is the beauty of it. And I think allowing yourself to authentically expand and create and express yourself through any creative lens is like a tree blooming leaves and petals. That also means you can drop some of them sometimes that you can shed that and evolve and change and shift. And you can do that in an unapologetic way, just like a tree wouldn't apologize for dropping leaves in the fall, right? We're allowed to evolve and transform all the time. You are nature, right? How you specifically create is unique to you and it cannot be replicated by another being authentically. It will never be the same. Nobody else can combine the expression, the method, the contrasting elements or challenge the status quo in the way that you specifically can with your unique set of experiences and your emotions about the thing, about what you want to create, about your inspiration. You don't have to know what you're doing, like at all, <laughs> at all. I have not been to art school. I used to want to go. Absolutely not. And you don't need to decide that you don't need to go or go to school or get educated or practice for a lot of hours before you can tell yourself or decide or proclaim that you are an artist or a creative or whatever you want to identify. You just are. It's your birthright to create. We are here for the creating. We are all artists in some capacity, which is why it baffles me and probably why I'm talking about creativity on this show is because so many people have been like, I'm just not creative or I just, I'm not artistic. And I'm like, no bitch, like you just don't, you haven't found the thing you like yet. You haven't allowed yourself the space to explore what you're passionate about or to try new things or any of that. Sorry for calling bitch. <laughs> we just haven't given ourselves the space because capitalism does not allow us the space very often. And because of the internalized capitalism, we're usually pretty big dicks to ourselves when we are creating, which is why we're talking about self-compassion today. We are all creators. So even if you think everything you make looks like burning garbage, it's art to me. It's worthy of being created. I don't think, I don't think I ever know what I'm making until I'm done making it. And even then, Sometimes I think I'm done and I'm absolutely not done. And I'll come back to it three months later and it's 20 more sessions later. Like it could be something completely different. It can transform entirely. I could swipe a canvas off the wall at any given moment and do something different to it. And it doesn't come without anxiety that I'm not about to ruin it, but it comes with the trust that whenever I am being creative and I feel aligned in that creativity, I can't fuck it up. You can't do it wrong. Two of my paintings um, I'm going to talk about because of the inspiration. So I'm not going to go into them into detail, but I usually have no idea what I'm doing going in. 
I might have a reference picture, I might have a reference um, card. So in these cases, I had oracle cards that inspired the imagery for my uh, paintings. And they don't look anything like them in the end, but that was like the energy that I wanted to put into the painting that I wanted to channel into the painting. And a million layers of paint and Sharpie and whatever the fuck else later, they look completely different, but they do feel like that energy. And so I don't know what I'm making. I don't know what the end result is going to look like or if I'll even like it. <laughs> I just go based on my intuition and based on what feels right and what feels good down to the color choices and everything. So you don't need to know what you're doing to be creative, to be an artist you already are. Aside from my initial references, and also like you can have your own process, you can make something super realistic, you can make something exactly like your reference, it doesn't have to be be all and end all, I'm just sharing one way of doing things, but you can do whatever you fucking want, that's the beauty of it, that's the freedom of it. So aside from my initial references, I honestly just wing it every single time, like every single fucking session. Every time I sit down, I might be like, okay, I want to do line work, but it's, it's it could be a million other things. It could be a million other things. And that line work might be completely different than what it was last time. I pick the medium I want to work with for that day and I get set up and I let it flow. I might pick a, a time and I'll like a time limit so that I don't get too focused on it. And I usually, set myself up with some headphones, noise canceling, so that I don't get distracted or pulled out of that flow. Um, and because I'm somebody with uh, a lot of different gifts, but with their audience, um, I have auditory processing disorder as well because of like my neurodivergence. And they're definitely connected, but the way that I kind of like stay in the flow is with audiobooks or with podcasts because I can listen to somebody speaking and I can kind of float in and out, but I don't have to strain to hear. And hearing someone just talking in the background makes me feel safer for some reason to just like vibe and do whatever. And it doesn't keep me from like having my own thoughts independently and all that kind of stuff. Um, but having something on for yourself or making the environment as safe and comfortable for you as possible, whatever that looks like, I'm just sharing my own examples, to feel comfortable creating is going to make it a lot more of an enjoyable experience, right? It's not just about like balls to the walls, forcing yourself to paint a masterpiece and hoping it's done in one day. Not me at all, but sometimes I'm white knuckling it through, granted, but that doesn't usually stop me from giving myself that time to create regardless. And I find it a lesson regardless as well. Let yourself have as many projects as you want on the go. I <laughs> catch 22 because it could be your doom, but the reason this works for me is with ADHD traits, we tend to not and autism as well um we tend to get a bit oppositional defiant or like we don't like being told that there is restriction or that there are really firm rules so we want to push up against that so saying okay i'm only working on two projects or one project or whatever limits you and if that's not in a place that you feel comfortable working on it or you're like not emotionally or intuitively wanting to work on that piece then you're not going to create right so with the ADHD traits of like wanting options and also wanting the high that you get with ADHD of creating a new idea or like bringing that to light is super valuable. 
and the balancing part is making sure you're not trying to work on 30 projects, <laughs> but overdoing it and overexerting yourself every single time. So it's about going, okay, well, I'm going to work on something today, but I might do it for just an hour, or I'm going to do it in this time frame, or I'm only going to work on a couple of things or one thing today, but I can choose from 20. And that way you're not going in pushing against the creative flow because you don't like what you're about to be working on or you're not in the mood to work on that thing but you want to do something so give yourself permission to start as many fucking projects as you want they're yours and come back to them at your own time there is no due date there is no timeline to anything that you're creating <sighs> one second i'm just going to start this Okay, sorry about that. There was some extra background noise. I just wanted to minimize. I apologize if that shows up in any of the previous recording there, but we're back. Hopefully it's a little bit fucking quieter. Um, okay, dogs are sitting. Snake has been stolen. <laughs> okay, so back to letting yourself have as many projects as you want on the go. Um, with temperance, but this method can also help me batch create a little bit better because I end up using a lot of the same materials and mediums, um, I can grab a couple of pieces at the same time when I'm using one medium and get a little bit of progress in on more than one thing. So that can be super helpful. Um, this also helps with my like executive dysfunction when I'm using messier mediums. So like when I'm using paint or anything that's not just like a fucking marker I can uncap, um, there's more prep work that comes into it and cleaning and all this shit that I either do or do not do um, based on how overwhelmed I am by it. Um, so with paint, for example, I didn't like setting it all up to work on one thing or work on something for 15 minutes or I didn't want to waste the paint that I poured out into a palette when I'm done on this piece. Um, so that also comes with matching a color palette and being able to use them in a diverse amount of projects. So I'm going to speak on that a little bit later, but yeah, this process kind of helps you or helps me at least stop over processing pieces because you have materials left over that you want to use. So yeah, hope that makes sense. I'm going to share a few tips, actual tips now on creating uh, with self-compassion that I've learned this year, mostly the hard way because that's how I do everything. Um, redefining what success means for you is the first one. So I've often caught myself getting upset because a painting in progress or a piece in progress, whatever it might be for you, is just ugly as sin during one of the stages. And I would get stuck in the negative self-talk or focus on the piece so much that I just fucking hated it. Um, and it, I would just tell myself it's shit, that everything I make is shit, that there's no reason I should be continuing on. It's not going to be better. Um, and if I had done that every time, I wouldn't have the paintings completed that I have now that I'm super proud of, or the pieces that I really enjoy how they turned out that required the ugly stages so that we could get here, because it's a foundation, right? Um, it's about progress, not perfection. Um, and you have all the business in the world picking up a paintbrush or picking up a pen or whatever it might be, regardless of how good you are at it. Good and bad is fake anyway. It's not black and white. It's not black and white, and the creating is what's valuable. This is a reflective, a reflection rather, of my like perfectionist problem as well with like just negative self-talk around what we're creating, which might be something that you resonate with, um, as well as just super high expectations that every piece needs to be a masterpiece immediately and throughout every single step of the process, which like, why would you continue if it was already a masterpiece? It's not reasonable. 
This is your cue to challenge those shitty limiting beliefs that you tell yourself around your creativity or what you create, um, and that you might have around your passions as well. You have every fucking right to be here and to take up space and to create and exist just as you are. So instead, I decided that success no longer meant perfect or finished or done um, or 10. Success now means that I've spent time creating without a time expectation or a doneness expectation or a beauty expectation. It's just giving myself the space to create. I've decided that's the win, especially given the fucking world circumstances. That's the radical win is giving yourself space to create when all the capitalists want you to just believe in the doomerism and give up and just stop giving a shit. This is an opportunity we can use to heal and create and, and build new things and connect. So if there's no due date, no end date, no way to the final product needs to look or sound, this can be tough to practice. And I struggle with it all the fucking time, of course. But I'm trying to like learn how to parent myself through that so that I can decapitalize my inner voice. And it returned me a little bit of my returned to me some of my creative sovereignty. <sighs> Allow yourself, step two, tip two, <laughs> to create what you want and literally whatever the fuck you want, as long as it's not like hateful or racist or whatever like that, do it. For me, I told myself that I had no style or preferred subjects until I looked around and realized that like, oh, I, I paint a lot of, I'm gay as fuck, I paint a lot of women or I draw a lot of women or demonic women or whatever, like I, I go in that direction of like femme figures that I want to be drawing or LGBTQ figures or animals and nature, anti-fascism <laughs> and boom, there's my pattern. That's the, the way I like to create outward is I'm expressing the representation that I was lacking, which is what a lot of creators are doing. Finding and exploring as many ways as I can to express what I truly want to express through joy and flow and the mediums that I enjoy is the beauty, is the juice of all of this. Many artists utilize a lot of motif, which is repeating subjects or patterns or approaches um, and elements in their work. And it's okay to repeat yourself. You don't have to make 100% original pieces every single time. They can be similar. That's what series are. That's what they can be connected. Like you're allowed, you're allowed for it to be however it is however it is. That's half of your developed style is the motif or the subjects that you like to render or do or talk about or dance about or whatever that might be for you. A lot of people might feel self-conscious around their choices because many artists paint the same subjects or like same types of things, not the same outcome, but they paint the same like style, right? But no two artists create the same. And so paint a landscape. Because the world needs to see how you paint a fucking landscape, not how everybody else did. It doesn't matter that a million people have painted landscapes. You need to paint a landscape. And if that's what you're intuitively feeling like you want to paint, do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't talk yourself out of painting or doing whatever you fucking want to do. There is room for you. There is space for you. I invite you to join us. I invite you to join us. Paint a landscape, paint a femme, paint a puppy, a fucking write a love song, but do it your way, the way that only you can. And that's what will make it so unique and needed. How would you create poetry or art or whatever it is that you want to create the way that you want to, the way that you naturally expand and flow? And you won't know what that looks like until you try. I didn't know my fucking style until I started painting things. And like, 
it's okay if that changes and transforms all the time. It's okay if your creativity is an ongoing evolution of self. Detach yourself as well from what you create, but be proud of it and connected, but detach your worth from what you create because it's very tricky to fall into a pattern of internal capitalism there when you link your worth to whether you are productive with your art. Allow yourself to learn from the people and the creators that you and my were on tip for, by the way. <laughs> we learn by watching others do and no one's style is 100% original because we are all endlessly inspired by each other and we learn by watching others. So it's all little bits and pieces of our inspirations. Try to make a version of a piece that you love in your own style or use it as a springboard or try an entirely new style, but with the subject that you love or with the thing that you like or that inspires you. You could use mediums that you already enjoy to recreate a piece done entirely differently. Um, of course, if you do directly use another person's work to create something then, that you could benefit from, especially financially or in terms of a lot of exposure, be sure to credit that artist or creator. Um, for the inspiration or whatever that the cause was. Um, you don't have to necessarily like pay them. You might wanna ask permission depending on how close what you wanna do is because not every artist is comfortable with that. I am, feel free to like copy my shit as much as you want to learn and to practice and develop. And if any of my stuff, once you see it ever inspires you, use it. It's totally okay to use it because I'm here to share that, but every artist is different. Yeah. I give you full permission to steal my art make it your own. But the reason that I share or will share soon, once I get my Instagram shit together, is to inspire other people to do whatever they want to do. So to me, art should be about sharing inspiration before recognition. Allow yourself to take ample breaks, ample, ample, ample breaks. I've taken about nine months to finish three of my larger paintings, which are only, not only, but they're about 16 by 20 inches on canvases. Yeah. Um, so it's big, but it's also not big in comparison to like some of the campuses that do exist or the pieces that exist. Nine fucking months, a million fucking layers of paint. Might have been able to get there quicker, but I had no idea what I was making. So I had to like sculpt it out of paint and figure it out as I go. It's okay to take time. And like, I've proclaimed these pieces done so many times. It's probably like a running joke at this point. It's, yeah, I think I've just been in denial and wanted to be done that session more so than um, we're not happy with it. We're just done with the painting so that I wouldn't have to keep coming back to it because I was feeling like I didn't like it. So I keep coming back to things until I like them more. And if that means I need to take a break or several months or several hours or whatever it is in between creating so that I'm feeling good about the thing I'm creating or adding to and inspired about it, then that's what I'm gonna do. If I can come back with fresh inspiration or after obtaining maybe a new paint color or, um, a new medium that might work really well with it. Like I blend um, Sharpie oil markers with acrylic paint because they like line over top, but they're also a texture difference because they um, have like a glossier, like satiny finish, whereas the acrylic usually dries matte. But then I also use metallic acrylics mixed in there so that there's a bunch of different like multi-dimensional effects to the piece that I'm making. It took me a long time to even like figure those things out and put those things together comfortably or in a way that like made fucking sense. <laughs> so it's okay to come back to things, but also come back to them with like wild ideas and try it out and see if you like it because that might be the thing that you needed to break through and actually enjoy the piece again or come back to the piece in a better way. I've always been happier with my pieces after I've done the next session. I never 
I don't let myself anymore tell myself that I've made it worse or I've made a mess of a painting or a creation by putting progress into it. And I've told myself that it does not need to be done in any particular time frame in order to be worthy of itself, of its creation. I operate on divine timing and fucking lunar timing. So really, this has been a learned skill for me as a recovering perfectionist slash control freak. <laughs> Breaks can be months, days, or weeks, but also they can be the choice of stepping away when you're feeling frustrated or unhappy with something um, that you're working on because pushing through when you're not feeling it isn't flowing, isn't going to be, that might be making you mess. That might be something that you have to fix later because you're doing it in a way that's not intentional. You're not focusing your energy. Be sure to refresh your inspiration and take the time to get outside and move your body and play for fuck's sakes. Like you don't need to be rigid and harsh and controlled about it, even though that's how we've really been taught that a lot of things have to be done. Back to batching real quick for this tip. Um, number six is not only do I use this like approach of batching for what medium I might use for that day or that like little art sesh, um, but also for my energy levels because it helps me rein it in so that I'm not like, I need to use this type of paint and this type of paint and these eight different things as well. Like it, it can be expansive, but sometimes very much and too much too quickly. So I use it based on my energy levels in terms of if I'm coming into a creative period feeling pretty tired, but I want to sit and do something kind of like low key, I might say, okay, today I'm going to work with the oil markers because it's just a matter of shaking them, taking off the cap and going, right? rather than like the cleaning and prep work that would come from setting up to paint for the day. This also prevents me from leaving my brushes in water for five years, <laughs> but I might also say, okay, today I'm going to work on line work, meaning markers, and I'm going to look at my works that I have in progress or all my projects that I have available. I'm going to pick a couple that I want to work on so that while one is drying, I can work on the other. And while that one dries, it'll be ready to go. That can kind of make it a bit like a factory. So you need to make sure that you're not overdoing it in that regard either. Um, but it definitely helps me just like grab a couple canvases and some markers and sit my ass down and create. Like it's a lot more streamlined to get into that flow. And so make it easier for yourself, make a system for yourself so that you can, you don't have to batch, you don't have to do a bunch at once or anything like that, but you can make it easier and simplify the process so that it's on those lower energy days, especially when you think that being creative would benefit you, especially for your mental health and make that accessible for yourself. Yeah, make it accessible. For my tangible creatives, building a, or not even just tangible, for anybody who's creating anything with color, um, build a color palette that you're obsessed with and make that what you start from. It doesn't mean that you can't add to it or change it, but um, work from what you like. Like, I don't like all of the basic colors that acrylics come in. They're not my vibe at all. I tend to go more towards neons and brights and very saturated colors because that's more visually appealing to me as a creator. Um, and they shift under LEDs, so I have more dimensions that I can work with there. Um, if you don't enjoy what your medium is or the colors that you're using your medium with, then it's going to be less likely that you're going to want to create because it's not going to be interesting to you. There's no rule that dictates that you need to create with um, specific colors or that you need to create, create with realistic colors. Like I paint people, but I don't paint them with like human colors. I paint them fucking neon pink and green and all this shit, right? Like you can do whatever you want. And don't let anyone tell you different. Like, don't let anyone tell you that you have to do it in a certain way or use realistic colors or whatever to create the beauty that you want to create. Um, the options are endless. 
could go in any direction. <sighs> Create whatever your little heart desires and rendering them with the colors or the tools or the methods that you prefer that bring you joy through the process is gonna make it like the juiciest outcome. Your palette or medium can be anything and your chosen subjects combined become your voice over time as a creator because it'll become like a pattern, right? A pattern of creating, a pattern of how you do that and what you do when you do it. You get to choose and change that whenever you want. And this is kind of the formula that I've used to help me learn several mediums while also honoring my very fluctuating energy levels is, is that batching and that simplifying. It's just one way, one system that I've built for myself, right? Finally, create, not finally, there's one more after this, create systems where you can make it easier for you to actually start creating if you get that sudden inspiration. So if you're lucky enough to have a creating space, keeping that open and available for you to go right to, um, you might have some mediums that are set up or parts that you can prep or steps that you can do if you know that you're about to be doing something creative or if you're like, I'm gonna paint tomorrow, you can get some of the stuff out the day before. Um, or keep them stored in really easily movable containers or pouches or whatever the fuck it is so you can just grab it and go and go to the place that you're most comfortable in creating as well. Um, building a creation station or some kind of place where you can easily write, sing, dance, draw, paint, whatever it might be, um, can help reduce some of that executive dysfunction that can be overwhelming when there are so many choices and things in front of us. Um, and that kind of stops us when we're inspired and we want to go forward, but we have to think and do all of these steps in order to get something done. <sighs> yeah, or to start. <laughs> Make it as easy as possible for yourself to create. You're allowed to do that. And the final step is noticing your nervous system. How do you feel when you're creating? Are you holding your breath? Are you breathing irregularly? Are you tense? Are you uncomfortable? Are you like hunched over like a goblin like I usually am? Um, are you sweating? Are your hands cold? Are you hungry or thirsty? Have you been to the bathroom? Like, are you taking care of yourself or are you in this like hyperfixation vortex? <laughs> Coming back and noticing your body can really help shift the inner narrative so you can be a little bit kinder to yourself while also supporting your body to be comfy and safe while you're creating. This one takes a lot of practice and I also am always learning all of these. Um, so make sure as best that you can that you're not neglecting your body's needs, especially if somebody uh, if you're somebody who hyperfixates like me, I can like <laughs> go in for a long time into tunnel vision. So bring water and snacks with you. Make sure you're dressed comfortably and sit as comfortably as you can. Like find the most comfortable place to be doing the creating. If you're in panic mode internally, take a fucking break and either process that or come back to the creating later. Nothing or the thing later that's causing you to be in panic mode as well. Nothing is worth harming yourself internally or externally you deserve rest and nourishment and compassion always and first i hope you enjoyed these tips <laughs> i hope they were helpful in terms of facilitating or fostering a little bit more self-compassion in your creativity um, and i hope you take this aries energy by the fucking horns and go create something beautiful today or come up with an idea today uh, i invite you to check out the show notes for my link tree and for a bunch of beautiful indigenous podcasts and creators that you should go fund and support um, and you can also find my website in my link tree if you would like to book any intuitive services with me or check out more about what i've got going on that's all in my link tree as well as a equal access uh, patreon system 
I wanted to make it so that it's a little bit more like based on monthly donations with equity for all of the content being accessible to everybody so that's not based on what you have financially. Um, all of that money slash anything that goes to the GoFundMe or to my PayPal will go directly to Lucy's knee surgery so that I can get her taken care of as soon as fucking possible. And yeah, thank you so much for being here from 20 fucking countries. I love you all. I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad you exist. And you're doing better than you think. I love you. Fucking creep it real. Have a beautiful spooky season. And we will see you next time.